Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. take authority here on Saturday evening. I want to get right to it. If you have your Bibles, the gospel according to Jonah, Jonah chapter number one, verse one. I confess the book of Jonah is one of my all-time favorite Bible stories, one of my all-time favorite Bible books. Jonah chapter 1, and while you're turning once again, let me give honor to my friend and to your shepherd, Pastor Gill and family. The Gills are a blessing to Medora, Indiana, and a blessing to the kingdom of God. I also honor once more the testimony of Bishop Walls, an apostolic pioneer in many, many countries around the world, I might add, as well. Praise God. Jonah 1 and 1. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and went down to Joppa. And he found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare, F-A-R-E, that's a King James word, that means money. He paid a ticket price to go into the ship and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Key verse is verse 4. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea so that the ship was like to be broken. I'm going to reread that fourth verse, if you'll indulge me. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. I'm going to preach to you on a very sober and personal matter tonight. I'm going to title this message, The Purpose of the storm the purpose of the storm lord speak to us let us have ears to hear what the spirit saith unto this church and god once again let it not be joel Revelly who preaches this sermon but let it be you the lord jesus christ who ministers this word lord god take my voice take this mouth and take this body of clay and work in me and work through me as you see fit i submit to the will of god like any other man must may we all submit to the will of god not my will, but thine be done, Lord Jesus, in heaven above. Do your will, accomplish your purpose, work us all into your pathway and plan and destiny that you have so chosen for us. All the honor, all the praise, and all the credit goes to you. All of us say, in Jesus' name, 
Amen. You may be seated. I can relate to Jonah. I think any man and any apostolic lady can find common ground with this man of God in this Old Testament. I'll call it a gospel book. I call this book a gospel book because during this book, 120,000 idol-worshiping pagans have an Old Testament revival, and they all become 120,000 believers in Jehovah God. That's revival when an entire city can converts to the one God message. And that is not just stories. That is not just something out there in the way beyond past in the Old Testament. God still upends cities. God still births revival. God still breathes the breath of life into households and communities and regions and families. God still does that. Hallelujah. Now, how did all that story begin? In verse 1, I'll just break this down. I'm going to go all through Jonah chapter 1, so I hope you all have your swords handy for this one tonight. In verse 1, there is no precursor. There's no lead up. There's no prelude. The word of the Lord just comes to Jonah. I like that because that breaks our common theological wisdom. See, we think we have to beg the voice of God to come to us, and that is not how it works. That's never been how it works. God chooses the time. God chooses the man. God chooses the locality where and to whom he speaks. It is the purview of deity to speak to man, and God God can speak to anybody that he likes. And God spoke to Jonah. The word of the Lord just came to him in the middle, most likely, of something else. What do you do when God arrives unexpectedly into your life and he has something to say? And dear brother and dear sister, God has arrived in your life and God does have something to say. And what did he say unto Jonah? He gave a real simple word. In verse 2, arise, which in modern parlance, arise means get up. Get up. Go to Nineveh. If you have Reverend Google on your smartphone, you can Google Nineveh and you'll find out the city of Nineveh was the capital city of the ancient country called Assyria. Assyria was the sworn enemy of Israel. And so when God told Jonah, get up, go to Nineveh, that great city, that is not what Jonah wanted to hear because Assyria was the sworn enemy of Israel. The Assyrians attacked Samaria and took 10 out of 12 tribes of Israel captive in the ancient histories. He didn't like the Assyrians. And so God told the prophet of God, go to the capital city of your enemy. And that is where I have called you to preach a missionary revival. What would you do if God called you to plant a church in Kandahar, Afghanistan? What would you do if God sent you to Iran in the Middle East to found secret apostolic churches? What would you do if God called you to the most interesting destination on the mission field? 
We have a choice in that moment. When you hear a controversial word of God, when you hear a difficult plan of God for your life, you can choose. You can choose to say yes, and that is the better choice. But I think Jonah did what most of us would probably do. He ran away. Jonah was honest. He doesn't lie. He never fibs. What does he say in response? Actually, he says nothing in response. I challenge you. Read verse 3. Jonah says no verbs, nouns, or adjectives. No subject or predicate. No sentences of Hebrew. He just gets up and he runs away. But don't worry. God gets him back. God asked Jonah a question, and Jonah never responded. But then in the final chapter, chapter 4 of the book of Jonah, that fourth chapter of the book of Jonah ends with God asking Jonah a question that God never answers. God got him back. See, the book of Jonah begins and ends with unanswered questions of God. That is one of the major themes of this Old Testament prophetic book. The unanswered questions in the life of a minister. All right. So God gave Jonah a basic assignment. Go to Nineveh and preach against their wickedness. Any preacher worth his salt should have at least one sermon where he preaches against sin. If you feel a call to evangelism, every sermon is not going to be ice cream and popsicles and lollipops and rainbows and Skittles and M&Ms. At least one message ought to be a good old Pentecostal rip snorter that hell is hot, sin's wrong, heaven's real, and you all ought to go there one day. Any Old Testament prophet from Jeremiah to Jonah was called to preach repentance. John the Baptist preached, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repentance is still the core part and the first step of the salvation plan. But Jonah, he did not want to preach to the Ninevites. He did not want to preach to Nineveh. He runs away. And in verse 3, he gets up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He was running from the will of God, but in point of fact, he was running from the presence of the Lord. Mark this down, dear church. When you run from the will of God, you are running from the presence of God. When you are running from what God destines in you, you are not drawing closer to your maker. How do you feel when you keep telling Jesus no? Are you feeling closer? Is your prayer life growing deeper or are you feeling more distant from deity? Do you feel like you are becoming a shallow man as you pray less, as you are telling the Lord no on more and more items of personal consecration? Are you growing closer to God or further away from his presence? They are connected. The will of God and the presence of God. Where was he going? He was going to Tarshish. Repeat after me. Tarshish. Tarshish. Confession time. I used to have this wrong. 
I believe it was Pastor Brent Wedding who corrected me actually over in Peru, Indiana. He showed me historically, and I, I checked this, Tarshish is not Tarsus. It's not. Tarshish is a different city. The most likely candidate for Tarshish, we believe that Tarshish was in the ancient world the pillars of Heracles, in modern parlance, the Straits of Gibraltar. Does anyone know where the Rock of Gibraltar or the Straits of Gibraltar is in world geography? On a map of the Mediterranean Sea, the Straits of Gibraltar or the Rock of Gibraltar is that point where the bottom southern tip of Spain just almost touches the northern tip of Africa. It's the west westernmost edge of the Mediterranean Sea. In that time period, that would have been the edge of the known world. How far will you go when you are running from the presence of God? You'll go to the ends of the earth. You'll find yourself at the borders of your life and the boundary lines of places that you never thought you would find yourself. You'll be surprised where you'll end up when you're on the run from J-E-S-U-S. How did I get here in my life? How did I wind up in this predicament? It's because I'm on the run from God. But flip that conversation right now. You don't have to go to the boundary lines of the maps of your life if you just stay in the hand of Jesus. How far will I go? Jonah was on the run from God. He brings out his prophet wallet, which, let me just tell you, no matter what you heard on the internet, preachers are not independently wealthy. We just aren't. And all the preachers say, amen. Hallelujah. That's just Bible truth right there. So Jonah pulls out his prophet wallet, pays some money for a ticket fare, a price to go into this ship to sail to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Get how Jonah's thinking right here. He's thinking that he'll be the first man in recorded history to successfully run from God and get away with it. How's that going to go? You already know. It's not going to work, is it? How is that going to work when I run from God? Let's see what the psalmist has to say in Psalm 139 and verse number 7. But whither shall I flee Go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell itself, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea. Isn't that what Jonah is attempting to do? How that work out? Verse 10, even there, say even there. Even there, outside of God's will, even there at the boundaries and edge of the maps of my life, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me up. Even there shall be the hand of God. Even there God will find you, God will feed you, and God will lead you. God knows how to find you at the edge of your life. 
Jonah got into that boat and he goes to sleep. And now I arrive at my opening verse. Jonah chapter one and verse number four. But the Lord sent out a great wind. We're Pentecostals. We believe in the wind of God. How many of you have read Acts chapter 2? There were 120 people in the upper room all together in one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind that filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire that sat upon each of them and they were all, say all, all filled with the Holy Ghost, the wind of God blew in that upper room and birthed the apostolic Pentecostal church. I love the wind of God. The wind of God blew upon the waters of the Red Sea and those waters parted. The wind of God blew a second time and the Red Sea covered the enemy and destroyed the armies of Pharaoh. Moses said it, Thou God didst blow with thy nostrils and the sea covered them. The wind of God blew and destroyed the army of Pharaoh. The wind of God did that. The breath of the Almighty that wind of God was breathed into Adam, the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Life was born in that man by the breath of God, by the wind of God. In Ezekiel chapter 37, that valley of dry bones, after bone came to bone and flesh covered all those bones up, it was still a valley of dead bodies. But then the wind of God blew, and that valley of dead bodies also stood up and life entered into them an exceeding great army restoration and redemption happened i love the wind of god we love those stories but what do you do when the wind of god blows and you get a storm you think to yourself i did not order that I didn't ask for that in my life. Somebody else got a healing. Somebody else got their marriage restored. The wind of God blows in my life and I get a mess. What in the world? Did I get the wrong order in my prayer, bless God? Why did I receive that? And for anybody asking that question in prayer, I believe God sent me to preach this word to you tonight. God sent the wind and God caused the mighty tempest, not just a little hailstorm, not just a tiny little drizzle, a great big storm, a mighty tempest. God sent the storm for one reason. Here it is, to save your life. God sent the storm to stop you from a bad decision. God sent the storm to stop you from sailing out to the edge and the borders of your life and wasting decades and losing years of time. Had God allowed Jonah to sail all the way to Tarshish, he might have lost five years in his life saying, what if and what would have happened? And dear friends, 
times I've seen that. I have observed that with my own two eyes of flesh. I have heard preachers with these ears tell me, God sent me to this city to plant a church. And 25 years they spend on the merry-go-round saying, maybe someday I'll plant that church. Maybe someday I'll bite the bullet and become a missionary on the foreign mission field. Maybe someday I'll go evangelizing. But perhaps someday is today. Maybe God is calling you. Maybe God is going to use you, Jonah. And if I allow myself to sail off to the edge, I'll lose precious shears in a wilderness that God never intended. And so the mercy of God is such. God loves you so much. He does not desire for you to have 20 years roll off the clock. He'll send a storm to save you from that mess because God believes in your future. God wrote your future. God is the author and the finisher of your faith. And the author and only the author has the copyright on his words of the story that he has penned. And God is your author. And God is your father. And God is your shield. God is your defense. In verse 4, It was no ordinary storm, a mighty tempest, so that the ship was like to be broken. Let's preach that verse here momentarily. God was going to break up the ship. God was going to tear up the ship because receive you this. The ship is expendable, but the prophet is not. God will destroy that relationship. God will end that career. God will reroute you from that job. God will tear up the ship to save the man. You are more important than that job and that decision and that bad relationship. There is too much Holy Ghost invested in you for God to see you walk off the edge of that cliff. This is mercy. This is love. This is the Spirit of God. God sent the storm to get you out of that ship. Now, I can keep preaching here, but I'm going to boil this down to a one sentence right here. How, how do you stop the storm? If you have made a bad decision, If you have gotten yourself into a vessel that is out of the will of God, what do you do? Real simple. Repeat after me. Get out of the boat. That's real simple, isn't it? Get out of the boat of that bad mess that the Lord warned you about 20 years ago. Get out of that boat of that decision that the Lord has been trying to pull you out of for the last two weekends. Get out of that boat of that career that'll take you out of the will of God and out of the house of God every Sunday. Get out of the boat, single apostolic, of that relationship with that individual who does not attend an apostolic church. Get out of the boat that the Holy Ghost is trying and pleading and speaking to you to leave even right now as you hear my voice. But bottom line, just get out of the boat. 
boat. What happens when I get out of the boat? Jonah did not know, but Jonah did know that God sent the storm. And so did every sailor on that boat because God made it plain. They all cast lots. Old Testament analogy, they drew straws. They cast lots. And that lot, that short straw, went to Jonah. Jonah got the lot when they cast lots and Jonah and all those sailors knew that that storm was there because of him and then he began to explain himself they asked him they said for what cause has this happened to us and Jonah makes two statements he says in verse number nine he said I'm a Hebrew and I fear the Lord you know even in his mess he was still a Hebrew You want to know what the secret ingredient for God to rescue you is? How do I receive rescue when I've made a mistake? He never denied his identity in God. He was still a Hebrew in the storm. He was still a Hebrew on the wrong boat. I'm not on the right boat, but I'm still a Hebrew. I still believe the one God message, and I fear God. I'm not a Buddhist. I'm not a Muslim. I'm an apostolic. I believe the B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for me. I believe in the word of God. (laughs) Then those men in verse 10 were exceedingly afraid and they asked him, why have you done this? Craziest statement in the whole sermon. For the men knew that he fled from the presence of God because he had told them. Why had he told them? Because he knew that he'd made a bad decision. And we all do this. When you make a bad decision, when I make a bad decision, what do you do? You try and get folks on your side, right? You try and build a sin support system, a sin support system, and an entourage of evil who will uphold you in your wrongness. I've been there. Bless God. All of us have been there when you know you done bad and you want somebody else to say, that's okay, Joel. You're all right. You can be like all of us. You can compromise holiness. You can let go of the will of God. Just be like everybody else. But you know it ain't right and it won't go okay in that route. And just look what God did to him all of that sin support system all of that entourage around him that had upheld him in his bad decision once God stepped on the scene the whole thing turned around and now they're all on God's side now and they see that God is true and God is real God knows just what to do to flip this And God changed even the opinions of the people around him who were not one God practitioners. And then they asked him, what shall we do that the sea may be calm unto us? And he told him in verse 12, he said, take me up and cast me forth into the sea. Do you notice he does not volunteer to walk the plank? He does not volunteer to swan dive overboard. He does not volunteer to jump out of the boat himself. He says, uh, you got to toss me out of this one. 
Why doesn't he volunteer to jump out? It's because he thinks that he's going to die if he leaves that boat and jumps into the storm. What do you do when God tells you, leave the boat imperfect as it is where you currently feel safe and jump into the storm? That feels crazy. I'll get real. Sometimes what God asks of you feels crazy, doesn't it? But it'll work in Jesus' name if you just get out of the boat. <laughs> the sailors, they attempt to row against the wind in verse 13. They rowed hard to bring the boat to land. They tried to row against the wind of God. But how does that work when you try to row against the wind of God? It'll never work. God shall win that battle every single time, won't he? In verse 14, the sailors pray a good Old Testament prayer of repentance, and they ask God for forgiveness we beseech thee let not us perish for this man's life lay not upon us his innocent blood why are they praying that prayer because they believe that when they toss him out that he'll die they thought he was gonna die he thought he would die and you think that you're gonna die but in Jesus name you shall not die when you get out of that boat you will live and declare the works of the Lord but what'll be there what'll be there in the water when I get out of my boat you won't die but I'll tell you what shall be there when Peter got out of his boat in the gospels you know what was in the water Jesus was in the water when Peter got out of his boat Jesus was there walking on stormy seas waiting for him when you get out of your boat there will be Jesus waiting for you walking on your storm waiting to embrace you and teach you new things the symbol for Jesus I believe it is no accident in the first and second century AD on those tombs in the Middle East Christians had a certain symbol on all of their tombs does anyone know what symbol Christians used on their tombs in the first century that symbol of the fish that'll become important in a moment bless God what was in the water when Peter got out of his boat was Jesus waiting for him and something that Jesus has made will be there waiting for you too but what happens to the season that I lost what happens in this time frame of my life in verse 16 all those men all those people who saw him act up the people who saw the worst of that man of God they didn't backslide they all feared the Lord exceedingly and became devout believers in Jehovah God. They offered a sacrifice. They became worshipers and sacrificers to God, the one God, and made lifetime covenants, permanent vows. God will even bless your mess if you just get out of your boat 
And here's the promise of God for every soul in Medora, Indiana, and joining us on Facebook Live right here. Verse 15, when he got out of the boat, the moment he left the vessel of wrong decisions, they took up Jonah and cast him forth, and the sea, the sea ceased from her raging. When you get out of your boat, the storm stops immediately that's the promise of God when you get out of the vessel and get out of your boat of whatever bad decision it might be the storm will just cease instantly by the power of God stand with me final verse one of my favorite verses of the whole Bible verse 17 final verse of Jonah chapter 1 you know what's coming now the Lord had prepared a great fish. Had prepared. English grammar is that past, present, or future tense. Past tense, right? The Lord had prepared. Past tense, meaning the fish was already prepared. The mechanism of divine deliverance was already prepared and ready for the man of God. All he had to do was make the first step, and God had prepped the next steps for him. God had prepared a great fish, and after three days... And three nights, Jonah went from the sea bound for a city outside of the will of God all the way back to the shoreline, walking back in the will of God. The shore near Nineveh received this. It's a direct reroute. Jonah did not have to sail all the way to Tarshish and then buy a second ticket back to the Middle East, then a third ticket to Nineveh. No, God made a direct reroute from where he was to where he ought to be. That's the mercy of God. God has prepared a fish. God has built a road, a direct Holy Ghost GPS reroute from where you are to where you're supposed to be. And God did not replace Jonah. God did not send a backup prophet from the prophet bullpen. It was Jonah called to preach in Nineveh. And Jonah did preach in Nineveh. Jonah was not replaceable, but Jonah was redeemable. And you are not replaceable, but you are redeemable in Jesus' name tonight. It's still the will of God. The gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. All across this sanctuary, these altars are open. I'm inviting you to come to the front and find a place of prayer at the altar. Standing, kneeling, or seated, the choice is yours. But as you come and pray and worship, I ask you, ask God one question. Is there one boat Oh God, that you want me to get out of? Is there one decision that you are asking me to reverse course in? Is there one route that I am traversing that you are asking me to back off of and walk out of? Is there a boat you are asking me to leave tonight? Hallelujah.
Thank you for listening to the MPC podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorachurch.com to learn more about our ministry.